We make everything up as we go. Because as is life. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. All right, cool. Great. So are we all recording? Yeah. Yes, we are. That's <laughs> <laughs> okay. Welcome to We're Totally Not Okay. But that's okay. A podcast about the intersection between mass media culture and mental health. I am Kaylee Legrand. And I'm Justin Van Liso. And we're going to make our guest introduce herself. Hello, everyone. I'm Erin Pym from the Bedpost Podcast. Yeah, Yay. she is. And the, bed, the Bedpost Podcast is also <laughs> on the Sonar Network, which is the network that we belong to. So in these COVID times, we were able to connect virtually. We're hanging out on Google Hangouts. Woo-hoo. And we figured it out. We actually just, right before this, recorded an episode for Aaron's podcast. So uh. Uh, I don't want to plug that yet because it's my one cool thing. But... <laughs> <laughs> No, you guys were actually, uh, uh, absolutely fantastic, and I'm very happy to now be on yours. I'm excited to oh see what it's God. all about. Not going to lie, was a little bit nervous because Justin started looking down that rabbit hole and doing research being like, oh, wait, who are we interviewing? <laughs> they get to control what we talk about. What are we talking about? We're talking about dominatrix. We're talking about sex. We're talking about fantasies. And I'm like, oh, God. It was actually so much fun. Definitely Good. go check out that episode. Um, but for those who have maybe never heard an episode of your podcast, can you give a little bit of a rundown of what it is? Yeah, of course. Um, it's a sex and sexuality podcast where I interview like anything from like, sex workers to sexy performers to sex educators to uh, people who are not in the sex industry at all just talking about like basically their relationship to sex and sexuality and you just had us on so you got a two for one yeah two for one special yeah and um we i i actually have a lot of comedians on and performers on as well uh just because i kind of have like one foot in that world and one foot like in the sex educator sex work world so mm-hmm. um yeah we've we've probably had a couple um like crossover guests and whatnot usually with me and another sonar podcaster there's usually a lot of crossover with guests because i love the comedy people i love the comedy community as well yay yeah that is how we kind of i mean there are a lot of comedians who are part of the sonar network and a lot of improvisers that's sort of how i think i found my home with them because i've done improv for many years producing and performing and sketch comedy and whatnot um what do you do in the live performance realm with your podcast because i know that you've done like some what live recordings Um, I've only done two live recordings in the uh, four years I've been running the podcast. But what I do is I do a uh, variety, a sex and sexuality variety show once a month. Um, And it used to be twice a month. So I I do that a lot. (laughs) Um, And it's just like a a variety show. So it's like uh, sexy storytelling. It's burlesque. It's drag. It's um, like sexy song songs and songwriters. Um, 
it's uh, sex educators doing like lectures or doing a Q&A. Um, it's a, a reading your own erotica that you've written or fan fiction erotica that you've written. So it's like, or, or it's like queer, queer standups and comedy and stuff like that. So it's a lot of everything and it's all just kind of based under like the umbrella of like sex and sexuality. So it ends up being a really fun, fun, sexy, silly time. <laughs> Is that part of the crossover into the work, um, like sex ed work that you do, or do you do erotica writing? Like what kind of work exists on that side of the spectrum for you? Oh, I've, I do a lot of different things. Uh, I actually kind of got started on the sex and sexuality track through erotica writing. I'm an erotic fiction author. Um, and, uh, I was doing that for a number of years. Um, and then from there, I was approached by Carmine from the Social Capital Theater to do some sort of erotica reading night. And that's basically how it started. I was like, okay, great. Yeah, let's do that. But also let's have like other acts in between. Oh, and then we have to have like a big number to close off the show. But like, like let's start it off in like a really cool different way too. Um, so it just- <laughs> Was that you or was that Carmine? <laughs> oh no that was all me like he was literally just wanting like poetry readings like that's what <laughs> he, that's why he thought it was gonna be and I was like no 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 it's gonna be this it's gonna be like a lot um a lot more like um like like something and, you could take to Broadway yeah <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna be we're going straight to Broadway Carmine production value uh, absolutely <laughs> Yeah, but I just wanted it to be, um, you know, really fun and performative. I have a theater background and um, I have a dance background. So I was like, and I have a singing background. So I was like, oh, no, well, we have to dance and sing and <laughs> all these things. So, yeah. And then a year after that, I was, um, I started the podcast because I started getting really great guests who we're only on the stage for like 10 minutes. And I was like, well, that's a waste. I want to like pick their brain for like way longer than that. So that's why I started the podcast. So the stage show um, was supposed to have its five year anniversary this month, but it obviously had to be canceled. Um, oh, so sad. five years Ooh. minus one show it's been running. <laughs> and then um, four years. Nobody's going to remember COVID. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. You can... <laughs> You can start right, well, just like dive right back in once yeah. this world has turned itself back on again. Yeah, just a little Nobody will notice. Off. Exactly. Hit yeah, reset, that's kick is. the machine, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then lately, like for the past like almost two years now, I've been getting into dominatrix work, so I do that as well. Um, you know, and through my run on Bedpost, I was doing a lot of burlesque. I was teaching burlesque. I do teach burlesque now. Um, and then once I was... Uh, you know, a professional, uh, Dom, then suddenly I had this cred to really start to launch the educational side of my career. So now that I was a professional, suddenly I was being booked on panels and, uh, to do lectures and stuff like that. So uh, I've been doing all those things basically, uh, in the past Can you five years. Can you explain what being a Dom means? What, what is a dominatrix? What's dominatrix? Um, it's a person, it's a professional who facilitates like kink scenes for people, for clients. So, you know, like... Are they one-on-one? Yeah, they can be one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, they can be like I've domed couples before, like male, female couples. Um, 
you can be any gender, any orientation. Uh, we like there are house rules for as to exactly what fantasies the space can facilitate, and obviously I have my own personal boundaries and limits as well. But beyond that, um, you know, you bring me your fantasy, and I do my best to facilitate it for you. And what drove you to actually? marry kind of the education with the sex work like what pushed you and motivated that to start I think I've like kind of always done that like wanted to explore all facets of like sex and sexuality projects and Mm -hmm. work and stuff like that because I was creating essentially I was writing porn like let's be honest so I was writing porn um while at the same time I was wanting to open people's eyes up as to what sex can look like um, mm-hmm. and what certain sex acts could could look like and, and who could do them and in what way you could do them. And right from the get-go, I wanted to show the diversity um, of, of, like, I wanted to show more than just, like, what you usually see in porn or what you usually read in erotica. I was like, no, how about let's have the girl in this role and let's have a non-binary person in this other role doing this thing and let's have the dom do an act that people usually think of as being submissive and just kind Mm -hmm. of flipping things and right from the get-go, I was like, oh, this can be an educational moment as well. So I think I've tried to keep that going with all kind of my facets I kind of blend them all together it sounds like um when we were talking on your podcast we were talking about those differentiations between feminine porn and masculine porn Mm -hmm. what the typical the stereotypical structures of those sorts of stories look like it sounds like you're looking to play with those boundaries and create different stories that don't necessarily already exist in that form of um storytelling not necessarily media because you delve in a plethora of styles of media did you have the intention of wanting to to create more space for stories that weren't just such a dichotomy between the two yeah for sure um like even i am also an adult content creator as well so um specifically with like the videos we create we really strive to tell the story that we want to tell even if it's not gonna sell like some of the videos we've made we're like nobody is gonna buy this i mean i'm an indie filmmaker so i get it (laughs) yeah but we don't care right like so i'm gonna have my friend who is a trans woman um and i'm gonna have myself and i'm gonna have uh a a like another friend who's a non-binary person shoot it and it's going to be like this tease and denial video where we're two 50s housewives and i bring you home a vibrating butt plug and i tease you while you're making muffins for me um like you know on like the app on my phone i'm like teasing you with the thing and then at the very end like I I say when she gives me the muffins, I say, oh, these are better than sex. And she looks at the camera and there's a circle swipe as she's like, wow, wow. Like, <laughs> oh, true 50s style. <laughs> the only thing that 
that takes me out is like in the 50s you didn't have apps come on Aaron you gotta stay true to the times is that the boundary that you're looking to push with that <laughs> but we were like no we can't end it like that can we and we're like yeah well, let's do it we're doing it it's happening <laughs> that's hilarious of yeah. course do whatever the fuck you want I love that totally <laughs> how long have you been creating content your own being your own uh filmmaker with it um probably that's a little newer maybe in like the last year I kind of realized that the space that I work out of is like just a visually gorgeous space and I'm like oh it has all these kind of different almost like sets all around it because mm-hmm. it has like these little themed areas right so there's a medical facility there's like at one time there was like a nursery like an ABDL DDLG CGL nursery um, and there's like a little school area so we're like I'm looking around there like as a performer I'm like oh my god we can shoot a school thing here we can shoot like this hot mommy stepmom scene over here oh we can do like a full you know fetish bondage traditional dominatrix scene over here we can do this like doctor scene you know to me I was just like just drooling over the possibilities of what we could shoot in, in this in this space and then we <laughs> yeah. and then we did and then i found people that wanted to do them and then we fucking did it like there's a big cage in there so i was like oh we have to do like a puppy play thing and my friend was like i would love to do a puppy scene i'm like fucking great let's do it let's put this cannon on a tripod and like just do it <laughs> That you're a natural storyteller. It just comes to you. Like you look at anything and all of a sudden you see a sex scene. Yes. Then those are the stories that you tell. I was listening to a podcast episode of, I can't remember what podcast this is on, but it was an interview with a, uh, a tantric healer. Mm-hmm. And I don't know a lot about tantric. Uh, I, I'm into yoga. And so I think that that's what guided me towards listening to this episode. And cause let's, be honest, COVID time stuck in these four walls, sex. So like that's <laughs> all I've been thinking about. Yeah. Uh, get me out of here, my monster is awake. But <laughs> I was listening to an episode about what, what Tantra means and how um, pushing boundaries in your sexuality, in your sexual behaviors and your your exploration, your sexual exploration is a healing process yeah, in, and they were speaking about it in a very spiritual way and here on our podcast we talk about the ways in which the media that we're consuming not only consuming but also producing and especially speaking with somebody who produces projects stories that are of a sexual nature how have mm-hmm. you found that they have been healing either for you or maybe from feedback from others who have consumed your projects yeah um i mean as far as responses to what we've created goes um that only gives us tons of confidence to continue creating kind of these oddball uh scenarios right like that they don't see it anywhere else um that it's fun to watch us having fun it's fun to watch us legitimately being passionate about you know these kind of bizarre kinks or just passionate about each other um or a certain narrative or whatever or a certain role we happen to be playing at the time um so that gives you a lot of confidence um and that just creates you know a nice feeling of like community right 
um, especially within the sex worker community, like working with other people on projects and collaborating on projects. That just feels so nice that we're all supporting each other um, and that Mm -hmm. we all have resources amongst each other that we can tap into and at any time. And that's really great knowing that because a lot of times with sex work, um, it can be isolating, right? So having that sense of community is really fantastic. Um, and then on the other side of it, I mean, I get to I get to finally play out this like Betty Page sex bomb that I've always wanted to be. Like you have no idea yeah. how, to see myself like in full dom gear, um, either doing content or you know even just doing photo shoots or whatever. Like to see myself how I've always seen myself or hoped. I would look like in my head when I was growing up and in my adolescence, like to be able to look like that now and act like that and, and quite honestly have, have that career and lifestyle is like, um, it's very soothing to me. Um, and it's very like very healing as far as like body dysmorphia stuff goes, body confidence, Mm -hmm. body positivity, stuff goes um like i i shot a video a few months ago now um where i'm just like sitting on this sitting on this friend of mine um and you could just i literally thought you were gonna say couch or something or a chair (laughs) no it's a person yeah i I mean i know who we're talking cool go ahead (laughs) i'm just like sitting on her and holding her down while i'm spanking her essentially and she's just kind of like flailing around and stuff like that and you could just see my huge ass um my huge like cellulite ass like in all its glory in this video and i'm just like uh i just i just love that i'm like that makes me feel like so good about my fucking big ass like (laughs) amazing yes yes Yes. we're living in the kardashian era big ass is in you're good right yeah and i was just like hey i wouldn't be able to hold her down if i had a little ass no way like my ass is like useful man it is doing a job it is looking hot like good for that ass I think, yeah, I think that that's one of the things that uh, when we were on your podcast, we were talking about porn and we were talking about, um, you know, how certain things don't feel real or that can take us out of it. And and particularly for me as an actor, when I watch it, I'm just like, no, bad acting. And I'm out of it. But I, I think that that's one of the things that I appreciate more about like amateur porn or homemade videos is that you there's not the Hollywood-esque quality that has taken out cellulite, that has taken it. Like, it looks realer. And the more real something feels to me, that that's sexier, in my yeah. opinion. And not that a high-budget porn can't feel authentic um, and can't have real bodies and real orgasms and real pleasure um, and all that stuff. But by and large, it doesn't, unfortunately, because it's trying to adhere to the male gaze. Like if we're talking about female porn versus male porn uh, versus, you know, folks that choose to not fit in either of those boxes is like the differences are is that for some reason, like even though all genders consume porn, male gaze porn is by and large what's on the market and what is making money and that those are the stereotypes 
that we're seeing, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So I, I will do anything I can to contribute to the other pool <laughs> where we're seeing cellulite, we're seeing real pleasure, um, we're seeing unique, nuanced relationships and connection, um, and you're seeing real chemistry. So that's what I that's, that's what cool. I am going to lean into more than anything. Is a high value, high quality production um, or the the stuff that you're talking about that has more of the money behind it, the male gaze, I'm assuming. I haven't seen a ton. Of, I'm not a huge porn watcher, so mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of the technical difference, the differences or the um, level of quality that comes to it. But are you seeing a lot of post-production? Are you seeing touch-ups? Are you seeing, even from the casting perspective, like are the actors who are cast into those projects as opposed to female porn or um other other narratives that dominating narrative yeah are there more touch-ups and are castings more similar to like what we would see as the typical fashion models um not typical fashion models because that's a totally different kind of body type altogether um okay you're gonna see essentially one body type um unless it's in another genre in which case is going to be fetishized. So if you get a curvy gal, you know, then they're going to be fetishized for their fatness. Um, if you get um, somebody who's a trans woman, a pre-op trans woman, for example, um, then she's going to be in quote unquote, the tranny section mm-hmm. of the website. Uh, if you have, you know, a white woman with a black man, then that's going to be racial, uh, like that racial, um, dynamic is going to be fetishized in like a BBC, um, category of the website. So wait, BBC, what is BBC? Because I'm thinking of the, the British broadcasting company. <laughs> yeah. So am I. That's... No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had no idea they were a porn company. <laughs> <laughs> it's my type of porn. High <laughs> uh, tea, high tea gone wild. Yes, uh, <laughs> with the queen. Uh, I'm into. Oh, you're giving me ideas for my indie porns. So that's for sure. Excellent. Um, Done. <laughs> I'll help you write them. The Mary Antoinette porn. Oh my god, I'm into it. Um, <gasps> let them I'd eat cake. That. Let them eat cake, but you know, cake is ass, and something about analingus. I don't know. Just put uh, that out there. Just spitballing here, guys. This. Uh, no, BBC is big, big black cock, and most most black people would probably not love to have that label on something they created. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, people have to make money, and people know what sells. Unfortunately, what sells is stereotypes, is misogyny, um, is transphobia, is homophobia, is. Um, yeah just straight up racism like that's what's selling so that's what you have to do if you're going to work with larger larger companies if you want to be on Pornhub if you want to um yeah work with a lot of there's like a lot of problematic things that happen in adult media there's a lot of stealing that happens um a lot of credit and money taken away from artists um on and on it's just a big crazy mess ethically <laughs> have you had money taken away from you as an artist in that industry um well uh yeah i mean people steal my pics all the time um not mm. not videos fortunately mm. yet 
Um, though they're all watermarked, uh, which is something you have to be careful of because I do not watermark my still picks. So people still steal my picks constantly and I got to track them and, down and, and sell them. Or how, do, how does that actually work? Putting them on websites to advertise for using them to advertise their own businesses, their own websites, their own girls. Um, they're like, I have to delete, um, or I, I have to report like fake Instagram accounts, fake Twitter accounts with my pictures all over them, like all the time. Wow. It's super annoying. Yeah. But like a a good, I can imagine a a good friend of mine had somebody film her without her knowledge and saw it on, came across her own porn um, on on Pornhub and couldn't get it taken down for like months and months and months. Um, How did that happen? Was she, was she intentionally... She was not aware she's being filmed. Um, was it like uh, she just had a client or she was doing, was she, is she a dom no. and she thought that it was like a different kind of transaction or was it just like a personal experience? Personal experience. And... <gasps> wow. Yeah. So what are, what are the actual legal ramifications and, and how seriously is that taken compared to, for example, I mean, if I steal Elsa and put her in a film that isn't owned by Disney, I'm probably looking at a fine that i can't afford yeah totally um i mean what you want to do if you ever make a sex tape say you're just two people (laughs) you're a couple excellent and you 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 just want to film yourselves fucking then great what you have to do i'm telling you okay to not get it stolen and posted somewhere you have to play Beyonce in the background. I'm not fucking with you right now. Oh my god, actually? You actually... Okay, hold on, but what if it already exists but in VHS form? Oh, yes. <laughs> you need to dub Beyonce over it because what... Because the best way to get what it taken down... What if you don't have it in your hands? <laughs> Uh-oh, then you're fucked. I'm sorry. It's already on Pornhub, probably. That's another um, episode, another story. Yeah, yeah, that's something else entirely. But um, because what's taken more seriously is music rights rather than the rights of people. Wow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. So so Beyonce's people will get that taken down in a second, um, whereas you'll go through months and months um, of trying to get it taken down and no one's going to be liable for for anything um if it's about oh you God. having something up there without your consent um yeah yeah, yeah. beyonce's voice is more valuable than your corporeal form it sure is oh. yes 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 and and the you know the beyonce estate <laughs> like the oh yeah yes not even her voice but just uh the world is fucked up right yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that is that is something insane. you've actually done to protect some of your work? No, I'm half joking, but um, but it's but it's <laughs> very joking. true. I'm half joking. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm but, like literally always going to be. I, I force every sexual encounter now that I have to listen to Beyonce. To listen every to Beyonce. Time Beyonce. <laughs> I'm like paranoid they're filming me. <laughs> Um, no, but you just have to be careful when you create content like that, that you're watermarking. That's a huge thing that's going to stop it from being stolen. Um, but yeah, there's no ramifications if somebody is stealing it at this point, especially Pornhub. What like, would happen? All of like most, I, I'm going to go ahead and say 90% of the content on Pornhub is stolen. Do not watch, wow. do not watch content on Pornhub people. It is by far and large the worst, um, ethical company, like the worst good to know yeah um i was gonna ask going back to someone getting filmed without their consent or knowledge Mm -hmm. um 
is that something that you can even bring to like the police to law enforcement um yeah because to me that's like a violation of some right that's in some human charter or some statute of something yeah for sure um i'm not sure exactly what she did on that side of it i don't think she ended up going to the police or reporting about you could but you know it's not gonna be i'm gonna go ahead and put it out there because i'm a sex worker and i know that if something happened to me and i went to the police how they you know how low priority i would be i'm just gonna go ahead and say that that's gonna be thrown on a pile um if you go and try to talk to the police about stuff like this Especially so if, if you're a sex that something... worker. If you're a sex worker, forget it. If you get murdered and you're a sex worker, they're like, oh, okay, well, yeah. That's the... That's, really? That's what so they do. because... Is that something that because you already have, um, I don't know, shared that part of yourself professionally or that there's content like that maybe of you online already somewhere, whether it's for sale or not, the fact that somebody else made that content, like that, that's just not even that blurs the violation for them yeah it's um it's it's really sad but yeah it's (laughs) how we value our humans it's real bad yeah anything where women are concerned women of color and sex work it's it's like or trans trans people um as far as sex work goes it's like oh well yeah it's just kind of accepted that that's accepted risk and it's not it shouldn't be which goes to speaking about how earlier you had mentioned kind of having that community of support and, and really finding your way in that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just has so much more value when external sources don't really pay attention to you. But finding that community, is that something you actually had to build? Or is that something that you stumbled into? Was there Were there barriers to it? How was it to actually get engaged with with this aspect of your now life um i was lucky i think because i was friends with a lot of sex workers um through my podcast beforehand and my stage show beforehand so i already i like for instance the person that owns the space that i work out of i met her through another dominatrix that she's kind of in comedy as well so she's a very funny lady as well so i'd have her on the stage show doing q a's one time she was like can i bring my boss um to do this performance with me and i was like oh yes totally so (laughs) i met her and then like three years later i was dming her uh about a job so there you go um so yeah, I I, unfortun- I fortunately had a big head start as far as yeah. um, kind of finding my way into the community. I kind of already was in it due to like my sexy performance stuff. And yeah. and I mean, sex work is also a really broad term. You could do thousands of types of sex work, right? So I probably I was doing sex work here and there in a lot, you know, little different ways all along the way yeah. as well. So um you know, like really writing erotic fiction, like I now consider that sex work. At the time, I wasn't necessarily thinking that, but yeah. So, you know, so it's been a long time. But um, specifically in the Dom community, uh, we're really tight, which is really nice. Um, mm-hmm. Getting on Twitter was great for that as well for meeting other local doms because like stuff we do now is like every few months well before the covid uh 19 stuff <laughs> happening like we, we get together doing social stuff like a bunch of toronto doms 
we get together this Sunday. We're going to, you know, meet us in Christie Pitts Park with all your dogs. We're going to like your human dogs or pardon me, your, your the yeah. actual dogs, not Ooh, your human what dogs. What is that? Um, okay. <laughs> puppy play, baby. Um, no, yeah. but like with your dogs and we'll just like run your dogs off leash and just hang out in a park, like 25 Toronto dogs. That's awesome. So that's like lovely things. Even, even though you might think like different houses may be competitive with, with each other. That's not true at all. Like the very first party we ran out of our house, there were a bunch of other doms from other houses there that I met for the first time. And I was like, oh my mm-hmm. God, you're like here supporting us. Like that's fucking amazing. Um, do you want to, yeah. do you want to do my podcast by any chance? <laughs> like, yes. Perfect. <laughs> it's a very different world than the 1940s Amsterdam houses. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was like at a Christmas party and I was like, Oh damn, there are doms here from like four different dungeons that I'm meeting. And I'm like, damn, this really is a great community. And you can DM them at any time to talk to them about shit. Uh, I cross promote with people all the time, which is a nice thing to kind of community build as well. Um, Hey, let's do this thing together. I, I, as I mentioned before, I have a thousand projects going on at any time. So I'm like, (laughs) Hey, let's shoot this film together. Hey, come on my podcast legitimately. Like I, I ask all my Dom friends to come on the podcast. Like, Hey, let's, you know, just work on these things together. Let's cross promote. Let's do this performance together. Um, so yeah collaborate create yeah let's collaborate Mm -hmm. because a lot of a lot of us are creatives as well so Mm -hmm. um that's just all all ways you can kind of you know more ways to connect with each other i think you have a foundation of that creativity coming from you said that you uh you went through theater school you have a theater background Mm -hmm. um and you also mentioned, I can't remember now if it was in our podcast or your podcast, but you talked about <laughs> how the way that you used to envision yourself, like getting to do this sort of work that you envisioned yourself doing um, in your adolescence. Is this, how young were you when you started envisioning this kind of work for yourself, this position for yourself? Oh, I wanted to be a stripper since I was like so young. You have no idea. Like I, um, ever since I started coming across, like my dad had like a car, a playing card, playboy playing cards, right. Where all the Mm -hmm. girls were on the cards. Right. So I'd like, um, I'd hoard those. I was buying like legitimately I was buying like Betty Page postcards posters I'd pin up calendars I was so big into pin up calendars um like throughout high school like I was oh I was consuming the suicide girls um uh porn for since very young like I don't know if y'all y'all know the suicide girls they're like alternative models basically alternative adult Mm -hmm. models so they've Mm -hmm. got tattoos and um a lot of them have kind of like a vintage aesthetic and they have piercings and they Mm -hmm. don't kind of play into those boxes of femininity um you know they're kind of andro looking they're hardcore looking they're severe looking they're Mm -hmm. um they're pretty looking like the whole spectrum right so right away I think very early I was like and I like I was I was in a punk band as well so that was also where my aesthetic was at at the time and I was like oh my god I just like idolize these gorgeous sex bombs like and yeah I I always thought I I never I don't think I ever thought ill of sex workers um yeah I was always just attracted to them and like wanted to be them (laughs) 
<laughs> Do you remember the first porn that you ever saw? Or the first uh, anything that turned you on? Um, yeah, I mean, another thing was, like, I was, like, really slutty, so... I was, um, <laughs> like, I was in chat rooms. That's going to date me right there. Um, yes. Yeah, I was in the chat Justin's like, yeah, I know. Rooms. Meanwhile, I'm the same age as you, and I get what you're talking about. So, yeah, very young. I was in chat rooms talking to adult males, um, pretending I was older, pretending my measurements were different from what they were, actually. Um, I was in chat rooms very early, and... Um, I, yeah, I don't even think I was masturbating yet. I was just doing, consuming all this kind of sexy media on my parents' computer, you know, in the office. Um, yes. <laughs> did you know like how rebel. to clear history yet? Um, no, and I don't think they did either, thank God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they definitely didn't. They definitely didn't know. Um, but, like, yeah, it's just funny, just consuming all this sexy media and, like, not masturbating about it so you're just like this bundle of like sexual energy um you know while like chatting to men <laughs> uh the liquor oh yeah you're just building your <laughs> volcano up by the time you hit whatever age it was that you discovered masturbation right. you're like oh my god <laughs> it was never the same as the first time oh my god i was <laughs> humping pillows like so hard around that age like <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, yeah, chat rooms was where it was at. And then I remember there was a funny moment where um, I kind of realized what this was, like, for the person on the other mm. end. Um, so we're, like, talking about sexy shit, and then um, he, like, obviously comes um, and then just leaves immediately. Like, immediately. The like, chat go room? Ghosts out of that chat room, and I was like, what? Oh, wow. And I was so offended. I was like, what the fuck? How dare he? How could somebody do that? And I was like, oh no, he was masturbating and he finished. Like that's what he got what he, yeah, he got the transaction. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. And I, that was the first time. Cause I was like, my jaw was like open, like to see that he just <laughs> left so abruptly. I couldn't fucking so believe it. Um, it, wasn't a tra <laughs> it, it wasn't a it wasn't a transactional experience for you when you first entered into that no i don't know what i was thinking i was just like looking to talk to somebody sexy but i wasn't masturbating yet so i wasn't thinking about it in those terms like of i i was just like i don't know I, we're ready we're here to like have a sexy good time together like and then to have somebody just like leave so quickly that then that just dawned on me i was like oh it's specifically that he was jerking off and he finished that was that is what they are doing over there wait so it, how old were you when you recognized that when you made that realization oh i don't know um like roughly uh 13 13 so, maybe 12 and so it's already something 12, like you knew yeah you already knew like what masturbation was you knew what ejaculation was for you, men, but like I knew so for for men yeah yeah had you had you ever experienced a man ejaculating in real life or anybody have you had you experienced any kind of orgasm no whether it was your own or not not in person no so but I was you watching recognized like crazy I was watching okay. porn like crazy yes 
<laughs> the most. Boring. And that's where you put that that association together. That's how you realize that yeah. him leaving meant he ejaculated. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Wow. And so, learning moments. Learning moments. <laughs> hey, we understand the end of their story. <laughs> We're storytellers. <laughs> so, ha- does that? Do you feel like that shapes the kind of media that you create now? Um, when you say that you're telling stories that don't necessarily already exist in that media landscape, does that feed into it at all? Um. Yeah, it does because, well, for a couple of reasons, um, I don't have it be really like uh, dick based um, content um, because I think that's boring, anyways, and that's not the type of porn I consume. Dicks um, are so boring. Just uh, kidding. I'm sitting inside these four walls and I just. And you're well, like, all just I give me a dick. Out. Somebody just give me a uh, dick. Yes. Um, Anybody send me dick pics? I'm onto them. <laughs> but, like, please if, don't. With my journey through kink like kink is very not dick based as well um kink essentially to me like a really broad definition of it is like anything finding fantasy arousal and pleasure and pain around anything that is not like heteronormative sex like what we know of as sex kink is like everything else that's like a really broad definition that I kind of Mm -hmm. talk about Um, Mm -hmm. so the way I shoot content that I make content, it's because it's, it's always kink content. So it's very rarely, um, kind of that heteronormative idea of sex, like PIV sex. Um, Mm -hmm. that's not interesting to us at all. Um, usually it doesn't involve cis men, um, as well. So there you go. Um, and then, yeah, also, like I, I'm a kinkster because I find kink kinks interesting. I'm not a vanilla person because I don't find that type of sex interesting. So no, I'm mm-hmm. not going to create content like that. Um, so yeah, maybe that maybe that first experience helped shape that for sure. Um, even though obviously I went through a time where I thought sex was about like just the PIV act for sure. I had a long time where I thought that was what sex was and that's all it was. And like, there was nothing else to it. Um, I definitely at first thought you said POV and I'm like, "Mm -hmm, definitely (laughs) uh, (laughs) like cinematography terms, POV point of view. Got it. Uh, Look, all of these acronyms, we will break them down for those out there who, I mean, I know, I know there'll be a glass. Yeah. Yes, of course. But yeah, I'm, I, uh, yeah, I think I, what I do in my like educational work is also talk about sex that is not heteronormative. So yeah, that's also the kind of content I create as well. What do you try to do when you're creating that content? Like, what do you hope the end or, or big picture result is other than fulfilling that person's fantasy? Like, is there something that drives you to say like, Hey, I want to, I want to change this media landscape or, or, Hey, I want this person to feel empowered when they put on a leather outfit and a strap on. And if you want to hear about that, you should check out Aaron's podcast (laughs) called the bed post link is in the description, but like what, what is the actual thought process for the consumer when you're trying to create that content? Yeah. Um, I think we're trying to put out content that isn't out there already. Like, or 
okay, we'll do that, but do it like this. Um, there's always, it's always conscious to, we that we want to present people with something new. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe there's a huge hole in the market as well. Like there's so much that people aren't doing and we're like, Oh my God, why aren't they? Let's do it. Um, Mm -hmm. and as far as the thought process, it's also really catered to what interests us. So a lot of times like the focus isn't completely how this be received and who it's Mm -hmm. for. Yes. We're terrible business people in that way, perhaps, but (laughs) we also kind of hope that if we do what we're passionate about and we tell the story, our own stories, um, and we do it in this really authentic way, then it will, um, appeal to a part of the market that is craving that that's really thirsty for that. Cause as viewers, we, that is how we feel. Um, mm-hmm. as well. So I think we're creating it for ourselves, um, but also for other people that um, have the same like core values around yeah. uh, around the type of media they like to consume. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it starts with what's interesting to us and we just spitball yeah. and we're like, wouldn't this be great? Wouldn't this be great? Wouldn't this be great? And then we kind of if we want to include some sort of marketability <laughs> in any way, then that will come after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not the, it's the, not the primary thought. No, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. It's you're cool. not letting the dollar be the thing that guides you, which is fine. I, I don't think there's a lot of money in porn. I've heard it's, it's a common industry. Yeah. Cause no one pays for porn, pay for your porn, everybody. Honestly, if you, if you're, if you're consuming porn from an independent ethical company, um, give them your support. Um, oh man, actually, I, it's I was going to actually ask a about that. I was going to vote, right? For what, for what companies you want to see around. It's a vote, a dollar. So what companies do you want to yeah. see create content, more content? Well then give I them mean, I was part money. joking. I was part joking about no money being important because like I, I was having a conversation with Justin earlier about we were trying to figure out, you know, how to monetize AR being this new type of, of, um, media that we can, that a lot of people don't know how to monetize right now. And I'm like, the answer is always porn. That's always the first place. Like people (laughs) either put their money into, yeah, sex sells. It's either the money goes into the military or into porn because people are looking for things to express themselves and to expand themselves in, in a very visceral way. And the porn industry, I mean, was just burgeoning when it hit the scenes. So I, I, and you know, not being in that type of media landscape as a producer, I, I was joking and I actually didn't know how challenging, uh, fiscally it can be, especially with that kind of thief, the, yeah. the thievery going on. How do you actually, material. Oh, sorry. Okay. How do you actually identify a company that is ethical? Like if let's say I, the viewer am trying to support something, how do, how do I go about finding that? Because I feel like, I mean, search engines are all tailored towards whatever's clicked upon the most. And so those are the companies that are bigger that are stealing content and not paying creators what they should be paid. Mm-hmm. How do you actually sift through the, the wasteland of, trashy stolen 90% shit that like, how do you get rid of that? I tell you, you go on Twitter, um, you follow your favorite providers, you follow your favorite performers 
and you buy content directly from them, directly mm. from their own websites. Cutting yeah. out the middleman. Yeah. Because that's who you want to support, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then through that, you'll see what companies they're working with. Great. Let's, okay, so they, they have this really cool queer company they work with that has all this diverse bodies. Fantastic. Uh, I like all the films that she does with this particular company. Great. Let's check out this particular company, see what else they have to offer, and then buy some more videos from that company. It's easy. It's very easy to just not type in porn.com or Pornhub in your search engine. Like, find the performers you're really passionate about and follow them directly. And, like, porn performers love interacting with their fans as well. It's going to be a much more intimate experience for you. You can buy Mm. other things from them as well if you follow them on their Twitter. Um, You know, you can, most of them probably do sexting. They might do Skype sessions or Skype shows. They might, uh, you know, sell pics. They might, like all these other little ways that you can connect with somebody who you like to watch fuck on screen. Like, it's going to be a much (laughs) more interesting experience to do it that way. Like, how boring is just like going on Pornhub and trying to find a clip for a half hour and like sifting through all this garbage like just to get get this 30 seconds that makes you have an orgasm like that's not a healthy masturbatory experience that's not going to make you feel good after that's not sustainable like you know these porn performers are people they're not as we talked on my podcast it's not just disembodied genitals Mm-hmm. We're people uh, with jobs who need your support, especially right now. Like sex workers, yeah, for sure. Sex workers can't do in-person work right now. Can't do a lot of filming work with other people right now because we're all yep. quarantining. So now's the time to throw your money. If you have a job still, throw your money at people who don't have a job right now. So yeah. don't do you watch have some free favorites porn right now? Um, who love- do you who do you follow? Um. I, uh, as for a company, I love Crash Pad series. Um, my favorite porn performer is Natalie Mars. She's fucking fantastic. She can take... Does she have a niche? Does she have a... A niche. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, she does a lot. She does a lot of things, but she can fit, like, so much up her ass. It's incredible. It's really insane. Um, Classic. Yes. She's fantastic. <laughs> Natalie Mars. And she's the sweetest, the sweetest thing. Her Twitter is fantastic. She's really diverse, too. Um, but, uh, she just has a beautiful voice as well. Um, yeah. Smart. And she and she's kinky as well, so I'm a kinky person. See, so she's really into like uh, being a little piggy and stuff like that, and it's just hilarious and hot. And uh, yeah, love her. That's amazing. That's well, we're coming up to nearing the end of our length, our time for our podcast. And even though that is a little bit of a plug for something that you're into, um, we did mention earlier that we do one cool thing and that can totally be your one cool thing that you're plugging. <laughs> Natalie uh, Mars. But if you want... <laughs> Natalie Mars. But if you have something else that you want to share as a one cool thing, if you had been thinking of sharing something else in specific, now is the time. Now's the time. Um, one cool thing. Um... 
I'm going to say uh, my support network right now, my sex worker support network. Uh, it's getting me through right now. It's really hard to, um, you know, not be able to do in-person work right now. Like that's always mm -hmm. been the bulk of how I make my money. So yeah, I can still do a lot of this online stuff. Um, and I'm very lucky that I have that um, to at least have a portion of my income, but it's difficult. And uh, a lot of my friends who are sex workers don't do the online thing and we're just totally out of jobs. And the fact that you can get in that Twitter um, sex worker mental health a group chat that we've created um, and just talk about what you're going through and have that support system there it's like invaluable I love that my my one cool thing um, also comes from like it stems artistically but I've mentioned it in both podcast episodes now yours and ours and <laughs> It's also something that I just really loved in university and uh, haven't really spoken a lot about it, but his work, Maplethorpe's work, and I don't know if I'm even going to be able to share the exact image that I want to in our show notes because it's literally just a big dick. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was actually a photograph that shaped a lot of my my yearning to become a photographer and while I haven't taken a lot of nude photography, I've done some, um, and it's, it's very interesting. It's fun to explore, especially when you find subjects who are willing to sit in front of the camera for that and what that relationship is like being, being the gazer when a lot of my work that I've experienced has been the one being gazed or objectified. Um, I, I was shaped by the understanding more in a theoretical approach and, and studying it academically, but uh, Maplethorpe, who was a photographer, better known for like his, his white and black photography in, I think like, I think he started with Polaroids in the sixties. Um, but there's just that one image of a dick that I explored, <laughs> that I explored so analytically, so theoretically, so academically that like... Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> guys, my university years were formative in a, an academic sense. Uh, I really want to see if I can actually share that and if Anchor won't kick us off for putting it in the show notes or if like Twitter will allow me to repost it or something. But yeah, my, my, my one cool thing is a, a dick. <laughs> please please i guess on theme my one cool thing is going to be that most online retailers um well i mean the government too has listed sex toys as an essential service that needs delivering so that's amazing i didn't know that there you go oh i'm getting so many more delivers. covid may be here but your sex toys can still come in the mail May I, Thank you, in, in that case, may I um, plug my favorite sex shop? Absolutely. Go plug for away. it. Plug away. Comeasyouare.com. They sponsor oh, the uh, my podcast. Um, they're trans-owned, trans-operated. They're fabulous fucking people. And they do they go to great lengths to make sure they they get products ethically. Like like beyond they are that's their number one concern. So they've got a lot of local products and most importantly they're all ethically curated. So come as you are dot com. Amazing. That's great. Check we them out put and that... have them delivered. Yeah. Yeah, we'll put that in the show notes. 
Thank you so much for joining yes, us. It was so, so much, much fun to be on your podcast too. Yay, this was This has been so fun. Oh, this was a beautiful way to end today. I am very happy. Yay. Thank you so much for having me on, guys. And also, it was a pleasure to have you on my pod, too. Both conversations were so fantastic. Check out both, everybody. Aww. Yeah, this is a two-parter. You got you to gotta listen to both of them to get the full spectrum. Totally. Cool. Well, have a good rest of your night. Go play with toys. I will. Bye, everybody. Yeah, go Bye. play with toys. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. If you like this podcast, you can support it by subscribing to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also leave us a review. Which sincerely helps us. Which we love. Come hang out with us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and send us your questions, recommendations, and cool things at we're totally not okay at gmail.com. Learn more about how you can lend your voice to this podcast and join us on an episode by looking at the link in our description. More information can be found at anchor.fm. Thanks for listening to We're Totally Not Okay.